0: feeling stuck sucks it's disempowering we feel isolated and we may make decisions that don't serve us or our loved ones your coaches laura and ryan are here to help together yes that includes you let's get unstuck this is the fit fusion podcast And welcome to another episode of Fitball Fusion. My name is Lada, this over there is Ryan. And what are we talking today about?
1: We're discussing the concept of fear.
0: Fear? You mean as in Halloween is coming up and we're scared?
1: Well, no, it could even be something more subtle than that. But even if it's subtle, if it, if it persists in you for years or decades, it could be a lot stronger than just a Halloween thing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we're talking about fear and there's a couple interesting things connected with fear. So what fear does with us, it's it's really scary. It puts us in a state which is called fight-flight-free state. So our nervous system really gets rammed up and thinks that our survival, like our most basic aim in life, I want to say, as the animals we are, what we're... Um, is threatened and then our our body thinks that we are under attack and our body doesn't make a difference whether there's actually like a dangerous animal or whether there's a yelling boss or somebody who cuts you off in traffic you get the same fear response the same stress response
1: you've probably heard this a thousand times before right it does sound the whole chase by a lion thing it sounds a bit cliche But there's a reason, especially people in the holistic health industry, there's a reason they say it so often because your body behaves that way. And when your body behaves that way, it has to prioritize, right? We like talking with clients about prioritization. Your body can only do so so much. So there's a hierarchy of needs and certain things trump others. There's a hierarchy where if you're in a state of fear, why the heck would your body start digesting food, right? Because it needs to, to have access to your resources, all your resources. It And so that's why we're saying if you're being chased by a lion, all these processes that help you heal and recover and feel better and have more energy later, they get hindered. So it became cliché because people need to people realize how valuable it is and they need to share it with their clients to say hey if you're chronically in fight or flight and i see that we need to do something about it because nothing i tell you will even get in right even your thought processes are changed because you're focused on the things that trigger fear
0: and I do get that, that it might sound a little funky to some people because they're like, what's going on, you know? We used to live outdoors, I don't even know how many thousands years ago, hundreds of years people ago. People do to this day. Well, they do, and it's just, it it's ingrained in our bodies. We are not changing as fast as we might think we would, you know? Like, the world's changing really fast, and now we're advancing in so many levels, technology and so on. Our bodies are still... Very similar to, you know, to the, um, we do the call the guys that lived out in the stones? Stone? I don't even know. Uh,
1: Fred Flintstone.
0: Yeah, these guys, you know. <laughs> our body doesn't make a difference, like, whether we're the Flintstones right now or whether we're here <laughs> sitting in our condos or apartments or houses being on the internet. So, um, we also, there's an interesting thing. I forgot the number, to be honest, but right now like these days we're getting so much more information that our grandparents for example used to get and information I mean in the terms of like data meaning input let's say you know just a couple decades ago there wasn't that much going on you know like there was less advertisement probably barely any there wasn't like flickering lights there were no phones so when you were walking there were less distractions you'd look around Things would look calm. It would, you know, now we would see that in movies these days. Some slow movies where people are like, there's nothing happening. I imagine life was a little more like that. Now these days, especially if you look at, you know, how New York looks like in a movie or even somewhere in Asia where there's constantly bombarding advertisement colors, flickering lights. The phones, you know, we can reach so much. So We're overloaded with information. So obviously, we're a little more stressed than people back then.
1: Absolutely. So you're talking about this baseline stress Mm -hmm. that's just whatever it is, frequencies going through us, uh, interactions, so many, even non-social. Well, they are all social basically. But walking by somebody triggers your, you know, Triggers you in a very very small way. You know, is there a perceived threat? Who are they? You take a look. All of that takes some energy. Now imagine you have to walk by five thousand people, ten thousand people. Imagine so. You're let's say you're at a stadium uh, for some event. There's a lot. You're you're exhausted after even just a few hours over there. But some people spend their whole day like that, right? In a massive city having to have those interactions and then eventually having to filter that out because their brain is like this is just too much so they sort of apply generalizations and start group filtering things out and then they get into this sort of state where everything gets a little um, dimmed where they can't give the energy to others they might not they might actually dim their connection with people closer to them because they're just so used to being overwhelmed. Anytime you've met a big city person or you've met a country person, you, you can quickly tell the difference, right? There's the smile, the interaction with the person who's from a smaller town, but from the city, they don't have the time to put any of that you know, towards you. But what I'm really getting at here is that there's a baseline tension behind that as well. The filtering constantly filter all of that requires energy from your brain, and puts you in a little more sympathetic, which is why we're talking about it, which is similar to the fight or flight behavior of being chased by a lion.
0: Right, and uh, yeah, just that overall, so much going on. I mean, you can also go a little deeper there. You can say that you're also picking up on energies on other people, and you know, you're just so exposed. What, what we're really also getting at, and that's not just with the notifications or the, you know, the exposure, we're just getting or we can get just a little, as Rai said, dimmed. Or maybe you can also call it unconscious or that your body just shuts down a little and is not so vulnerable anymore to exposure, which means you might not feel as much anymore. Life might feel a little bit more dull, I want to even say, or just like a little toned down to protect you now that doesn't sound super interesting uh, to me at least and we we see that in other areas too right if you're bombarded let's say with smells scents super super strong you're actually getting less um what's that word right the like less um you're smelling it less you're not as affected by smell you might you know have you ever met a person and they're just reeking of perfume it's because they use that maybe even every day and they do more and more because they're not smelling it anymore.
1: They're becoming desensitized.
0: Yeah, so like desensitized.
1: Are you trying to say that people get desensitized to a baseline fear?
0: Um, No, to a baseline stress. Like they're getting so much stress that they're getting more desensitized, which doesn't mean you're coping better with it. It's just that you overall are not even... like. It could manifest in like disconnection from your body, disconnection for your brain, just feeling yourself. So less. if a
1: lion does show up, you're going to pet it?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> like, you might, no you big might. Deal. <laughs> yeah, you might actually invite more dangerous or quotes unquote dangerous situations in your life. You might not even realize you might be so in your head that let's say you're walking on the subway and there might be an actual threat because there's maybe somebody with a knife and you're not even, you know, like, the, the warning system in you that Uh, intuition might not kick in because you can't sense it you're so desensitized that's where i'm getting at you know or would you want to tell us the example that just happened um yeah
1: okay so the fear the reason we're making this episode the real reason because fear is an is an excellent motivator (laughs) right so If you want to motivate someone to do something and we do not suggest this and we do not do this but fear is a great way to trigger them to get into an emotional state where they're vulnerable and they're willing to make changes based on that their ego is sort of temporarily um, temporarily taking the backstage and going oh okay uh, sure I'll make that decision because it could protect me right insurance companies do this all the time but a good example here was over here in mexico yesterday a category 4 hurricane was out in the ocean just off of puerto vallarta here and the american media every time this happens it's just flooded with massive hurricane threatening the you know all these words threatening the shore of and it's like okay but then if you actually take a minute to look at it, you can look at the trajectory, you can look at what is actually happens, and the, the storm dissipates really fast, okay? That typically, by the high time it hits the shore, it's a Category 1 or a tropical storm. Very common. So, putting people in that state of fear, though, got them to click on the headline. So, that was the sales pitch. Click my headline because there's ads on my page okay so that's a very minor example a little step up from that is uh, buy my product my insurance product so you can sleep safe at night so there's a perceived threat which might or might not be real which can uh, will make you spend money potentially unnecessarily and then you can just keep going deeper Um, is your relationship on the, on the edge of failure. Buy my $10,000 program to restore it right now. Okay? But using that motivator through fear doesn't empower somebody. That disempowers someone and says, I have the answers. Just give me the cash as an exchange for some of the answers. Now, I don't want to go deeper into a topic some of you might might actually in your head right now realize that could tie but there are bigger things that use that exact same concept and ask for donations or whatever you want to call it so that you can sleep easy at night and be part of those who are going to be at peace because there's a massive threat if we don't Listen to the person who knows how to deal with that threat.
0: And that's actually really true that this is a motivator for so many things in life. And it also comes together with um, a lot of... So I find that there's a lot of this fear here and then don't do this. And like it's a lot of like negative reinforcement these days, I find um, not so much like, hey, how about more of this? What if this good thing happened? It's more like people, people like, oh, be safe. I mean, we have even some of these sayings like, don't break your leg, or even break your leg, and that's like a good wish for a break a leg. Yeah, break, break a leg for for a stage. Well, uh, even
1: here, cuidate means take care of yourself, be careful. But but when they when a Spanish person. Learns English, they start when you say goodbye. They say "be careful," yeah, because they say "cuidate" in Spanish. So, just as an example, they're being nice, right? Yeah. But it's it's there's perceived threats out there, so take care.
0: Yes, it's really interesting because it's such a motive, such a big motivator. I mean, so safety and security. You can look at this from from many angles, actually, um, but it's the baseline. So if you have any issue in your life, you would like to work on, you're like, oh, I feel a bit stuck in that area. And you guys know we're we're in the business to get people unstuck. So if we want to do that, if you have any issue or thing you want to look at, first have a look, am I safe? Am I secure? Because if you're trying to do any changes, let's say you would want to, I don't know, do something about your diet, relationships, whatever, but you're... Feeling unsafe, you're feeling insecure. You're not gonna be in that moment, at least, able to do any other changes because your like most basic needs are not fulfilled, and a lot of times this comes down to money. Because if you don't have enough money to maybe put some food on the table to pay your rent, uh, some big payments, you know, about to come, or you're living month to month and your job's so up in the air that you might. Um, you know not be able to pay some bills wasn't that Americans or not, not all Americans some um, or it was actually quite a high number that they're like three checks away from bankruptcy like, of,
1: yeah yeah it's not just just Americans no, but not. there's a lot more in that system that encourages debt right? there was a higher number
0: same. that I heard specifically about Americans and it's just if that's the case, then yes, they can do other things. And the reality is if something big hip, like happens, they are very, very, very quick in a really big um, fight or flight state because their safety and security is just super threatened.
1: Now, aside from those things, there's another factor to consider. Let's say you're in a relationship with someone who cares about you, supports you, wants to support your safety and security but also support your independence
0: oh my god that exists (laughs) sorry
1: (laughs) well actually the, the story i'm getting at is somebody who doesn't believe that so yeah somebody but there's there's been a past relationship where someone physically abused you the story in your head that that person might have created that hasn't been addressed yet might be I'm not worthy of love in this manner. I'm not good enough. Whatever they might have said to you in the heat of the moment or physically done to you, even though your new partner is not like that, there's always a perceived potential threat and a story in the back of your head that contradicts what they're telling you and the more in some cases for some people the more the person tries to love you in in the proper way with the proper type of attachment the one that you're looking for the more you push that away and look for the thing that you're comfortable with i'm comfortable in fear
0: because you maybe have heard that a saying before belief system override you literally cannot believe this is true because your belief system is fed in that scenario, by by the story from the past relationship, that maybe you're not worthy of love, or maybe loves love is um, you look at love a different way. So if something um, is not in alignment with your beliefs, even if the reality is that they're super loving, you're gonna either not see it, or you are gonna be the one creating friction, creating drama, essentially pushing them away.
1: Yeah and then you might manifest if you say i'll never meet a great partner you might actually manifest that for your future because all the great partners that you've met those potentials will either not connect with you because you'll initially push them away or you'll go through the honeymoon phase and then the sabotage begins later when they really start saying hey i want i really want to do more with you i want to have children and then you just you don't you don't feel deep down that you deserve it because you're reminding yourself that you're a piece of shit, you don't deserve love, you're uh, you're a horrible partner, you're you know, all the other all the things that somebody would might have said in in a misunderstanding of, of how they're supposed to share love with you, but ultimately that chain has to be broken. So this is another thing I'm trying to get at here with fear. It could not just be your your state where you live, things like that, it could be things from the past that you carry around with you every single day.
0: So actually, that's a very, very common thing, people. So if you think back at any story of your life, a story that, you know, has some pain for you, and you feel that pain, even if it's not super strong, guess what, there's emotion there. So, there's still motion around that story because emotion is literally E-motion, right? So you get some motion, emotion about the story. So there's still something there. And this will keep on coming up. I I tell my clients that when, um, let's say when Ryan and I have a discussion, an argument, and it gets a little heated, usually it's not even us really fighting. Yes, in that moment we are, but really what's happening is we're projecting our each other's past onto the other person. So let's say I might have, have had an issue with my dad and he got me upset back in the day. So, you know, meaning when I was a child or a teenager or whatever. And he might have had some issue with somebody in his family. And then he's thinking of, oh, damn, that's what they person said to me. And then he's acting that out. I'm acting that out. So we're both unconscious. We're not actually present in this moment. We're bringing in the past. And for us to resolve that actual issue, yeah, we can calm it down, but to really resolve it would have had to be in the past, not in the present moment.
1: Right. So we're projecting the unfinished business of our ancestors and those who've connected to us when we were developing, or anytime actually, but you know, mostly when people are developing, these things these stories get get really like embedded inside you they're like woven into your fabric and so magic Lada's a is a magician so Lada, do you want to explain how you help people uh with let's say someone has a story mm-hmm. something like when they were seven years old somebody told them they w- were never going to be worth anything in their life something like that mm-hmm. where, where would you where would you start with someone like that
0: Right, so if somebody came to me um, and they don't necessarily have to know the story already because really quickly through different stories, we can get them there. But let's just say somebody already knew this is the story. And, you know, if I ask somebody, hey, what's the worst memories of your life? Most people have at least like five to ten and they still carry them around. And as you start looking into them, you figure out more. So I would be like, all right, get the story. Cool. Give it a title. So then you give me a title and then I have you write up the story and I have you write out the story how it actually went so like as if you were telling me the story full punctuation full sentences but I don't want to hear the story I want it written out first so what you're doing there is the story in your head is just rummaging it's infinite you know there's no beginning and ending it's just going 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 you put on paper first of all you're it out of your head on the paper And then you're giving it in the beginning and end and usually what, a couple paragraphs, half a sentence, uh, half a page, maybe that's it. You know, the story that was so big in your head on paper, smaller, more dealable, more you can deal with it better. Then you read me the story. Well, you read it out loud. All right, then we're like, okay, what does the story say about you? You give me the feels. What are you feeling? And then from there. You read it again, much slower, because when people read the stories that are painful, they don't read like "I was standing at the door." They're like, "I was standing at the door." This <laughs> is they're trying to run through the story so fast. No, no, we're gonna slow it down. Look at everything, right? We're getting up the fields on purpose, and we're getting up the fields a lot. Like you're gonna feel right as if you were there because the emotion is still there. Uh, emotion and trauma essentially doesn't age you can literally feel the same thing you felt when you were seven or when you're four still there so that's why reliving it and then moving on is much better
1: so how do you help people release that story or or um alchemize or, or transform what do you do with that story
0: I like the alchemist part. Even though you're the alchemist, I am so far the magician. I'm curious what what you're gonna do with it. So what you then do is you read the story one more time, slower, and you put the breath in. After each sentence, you breathe. Full deep inhale, slow exhale. Now, sometimes if the sentences are really long, I break them up further, you know? So you air out the story. You put air in. And when you hear that, people literally, like, they shake their sigh. They're like, oh, after certain sentences. Till we know which sentences have, like, some extra emotion to it. You go through it. Tell me what you feel. You're like, what's the story about? Sometimes at the end, we have a belief. And then we can start transforming the belief. Sometimes if the story is really charged, I can, we can rewrite the story We can look at it because there's a lot of I can't, I didn't, whatever. You rewrite it, make it positive, learn from it and things start shifting. Things start shifting a lot because now you're focused on, well, okay, this is what happened. Usually you get more understanding about a story that, you know, now looking back, it's like, well, I was seven years old back then or I couldn't have possibly screwed up somebody's life for good with this little thing or you know like you usually as a child we take on a lot of responsibility for things we didn't really need it to. Anyways, these are all things though that you tell me. There's only questions on my art part. There's no like, this is what this means. This is, you know It's more like what does this story mean to you? Because I don't know anything about your story. Yeah, so that's like the big um little overview and that's literally the get unstuck part so if you are not now like oh my god i really want to do this hit us up because that's the first part of our program and this stuff is magical and so so good
1: and another thing that i try to help um to help others with is um to understand where the story originated because that energy has been put on you by somebody who wasn't capable of overcoming it, of transcending it, of converting that energy, right? They, they held it in a certain way and it was the only way they knew how to share it with others. They, they considered it love, right? The, the, the generational trauma that, that's what it's referring to. It's referring to a chain that that happens over and over because somebody literally receives that. They're so open. If imagine unconditional love, completely unconditional, no conditions and you tell it, this is love beating your child. It's not going to say no, but right, it's unconditional. So as we apply conditions and as our ego develops and, and we start to, to become separate rather than one, then we start learning these things, but sometimes we get hijacked along the way with these stories that don't, that don't work, they don't serve us, and they harm us and others around us or disconnect us from others, potentially for the rest of our lives. But having compassion and understanding where it comes from, learning about the history or, or you know, a lot of people have resentment towards their parents, right? But I think a big stage in even or in towards a divorce, your ex, an important part is there's a learning opportunity in whatever happened and learning to have compassion, learning to understand where they came from is an important step in the the process of transcending it. Otherwise, you're still going to hold that base tension saying that person's an asshole. Look what they did to me
0: which by the way is a projection and that is part of conflict language and those stories, they're full of that. Um, I would like you to tell us that a story about the sharks in the water because there was a really interesting lesson from that in terms of fear.
1: Oh, how? which one? About sharks <laughs> in the water in the coaching industry?
0: No. Um, <laughs> or so, literally
1: sharks in the water? Right, right. Um,
0: it's about perceived threats and um, how it's important to balance actual threats and perceived threats.
1: Yeah. So, for example, here, there are sharks in the water. So <laughs> if, uh, if I'm working uh, at a retreat or whatever it is, and I'm in the water with people, it's a really bad time to do it, but I like to be playful. So I like to... I don't. I, it's not playful, playful, and it's not very polite. But I like to remind them that there are, <laughs> there are actually sharks, and not only sharks, but saltwater crocodiles, in frequently in in these waters, and the lifeguards are looking for the eyes of the crocodiles, because the where the where the freshwater hits the saltwater, that's where those big saltwater crocodiles hang out and occasionally they get out in where the beach is and where people are swimming. So same thing with sharks, right? They're not coming in for the people specifically, but they could end up there. And what Lotta is getting at here is that my approach is not correct, but also the approach of going into the ocean and not and just going what the hell i just got stung by a a jellyfish and paralyzed or you know i had a friend who had that happen in malaysia and almost drowned like yes like certain threats do exist out there right but it doesn't mean we have to not do anything but it means we make educational educated guesses about how dangerous something really is and whether we're really over we're exaggerating our fear response unnecessarily like with the hurricane it's a category four yeah that sounds really violent it is i've been in one but a category one when it hits the shore is very different than a category four when it hits the shore and the news doesn't want to tell you that part that's the little secret part that they might put in the final sentence most hurricanes turn into tropical storms in this area, right? But the rest of the article is doom and gloom and some old stock photo that's not even the same storm of some horrible destroyed coastline.
0: Yeah, so it it really is about balance and to just be like, also, what evidence do I have? Like, look for evidence. Okay, like, if you're like, okay, you're more like Ryan, you're like wondering about how many sharks and whatever look at it how, like look at the numbers be like how often does this happen yes if that number is really high i would also be like well let's not go but then also be like okay well it's not happening that often okay well i can be aware of this and i can still enjoy the water so really being a balance between way too worried And a way to carefree. Both are not serving anybody.
1: But please don't forget that the ego is very good at hiding inconvenient evidence. Exactly. Very good at just dumping that into your subconscious. Deep down you know the truth. But let's say you really wanted to go in the water. Let's say the movie Jaws. Great example. The mayor did not want to sacrifice an amazing summer. The entire town was based on people coming to use the beach. And then people were saying there's sharks in the water killing people. He's like, ah, but the threat isn't big enough. Where's the evidence? There was the evidence. But his ego was like, no, but, you know, it's so rare, you know, coming up with all these justifications.
0: Right. So just make sure you're honestly putting in the work to find real evidence, not the evidence you're looking for. Right. Like because then if you if you know the outcome before you're looking, obviously you're not looking for evidence. (laughs)
1: Or ask somebody if it's a specific topic find the the shark hunter for that topic find the person who really knows what's up Uh, find the person who understands the insurance industry and knows which ones you should really get find the person knows how to help you get out of debt and and which which uh, which banks or whatever will be predatory towards you and actually not help you get out of debt find the people who authentically want to help you and have passion in that area of life, same with relationships. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's been through a journey, who understands in the the intricacies, and maybe ask them for help, but really make sure, double check that the that what information comes in resonates with you. You feel you like you can trust somebody, and that you're not being sold through fear.
0: Yes. So this is just our intake on fear and i'm sure we're going to come back to that topic because it's interesting and there's much more so if you have some questions about this comments let us know if you're like i really want to try that story work process please let us know with the free coaching session that's what you're getting that's literally what you can get and if you already have a story prepared then go for it
1: and just for fun at the end Lada, what is an irrational fear that you have
0: an irrational or rational?
1: Uh, a fear you know is irrational, but you have it.
0: Hmm. It's a good question. Um, hmm. Because some part of me wants to say that I could just, you know, like that something could happen, like an accident, which is irrational. On the other hand, it could happen because. You know, there's cars out there. There's stuff out there. It's not big. It it got much clearer because right now I'm really happy. I'm, I don't have that many irrational fears, actually. Okay. It used to be just, I don't know, having some really big sickness or um, hit, hit by a car or something. Or it used also to be money. Like just the irrational fear of having no money left in the bank, even though I have a history of always having a plus and having enough, but actually the money was, you know, it's the big one, just irrationally, that's not going to be enough.
1: Yeah. My irrational fear would be spiders because the majority of the spiders I encounter are not dangerous at all. Mm. They're actually pretty damn scared of me. Yet, on the other hand, we the other day when we ran into, what, like a five-foot-long juicy snake in the jungle Ah, i was walking towards it to get a closer look i was like why are we walking past this and that is ridiculous because that should be like i don't know what type of snake that is there should be a rational fear response Mm -hmm. saying hey this is a potential threat to your life but the spider the little spider gives me more fear so i feel that that's a that's quite irrational
0: I, yeah, I hear what you're saying there. Well, that's the thing. Fears are not irrational. They're just there and they can be overcome. So thank you so much for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this. Have a wonderful day. And we'll see you, hear you, you hear us soon. Cuidate. <laughs> thank you so much for being here. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a review on your favorite listening platform there's more to us than the podcast. Your community awaits you in our free Facebook group. Click the link in the description to join the conversation now. You can also follow and connect to us on social media. Thank you again so, so much for listening. We really appreciate your time and support. With love, Lada and Ryan.